Woo-hoo. Hello, here we are. And by we, a little bit different this week, y'all. No Andrew. It's me, Tawny Newsom, your host, and I'm here with Tracy Thomas. Tracy, what up? Hi. Oh, you're doing a really good job of putting on a, a face. Yeah. I can feel it. Uh, <laughs> it's been a tough week. It's been a tough week. It's of been of course tough- it fucking has. Yeah. It's been rough as hell. And, you know, we've had this uh, conversation with our two guests that we're going to introduce soon. Um, we've had it on the books for a few weeks. And after the news uh, about Roe on Friday, uh, while none of us here were surprised, it was still, you know, confirmation of the thing we've all been dreading. And it still uh, led to some intense feelings nonetheless. Even when you're not surprised by something, it can still affect you greatly. Uh, I just reached out to Tracy and was like, hey, do you want to co-host this one with me? You know, um, I don't know. I just felt like uh, uh, here's a tiny thing I can do to help is maybe give my friend a space to talk about (laughs) these things. Yeah, I think so. I, of course, was not surprised. I I think it's wild that people were given the fact that this was leaked two months ago. First of all, like people who are actually surprised on Friday when I'm like, but we knew this was coming. I think one of the things that for me, I've been struggling with is that I've been feeling an intense amount of like rage. Like I've been calling Mm. all my friends and like yelling and I couldn't quite figure out why I was so angry. And it took until basically this morning that I could finally articulate the rage part of it. And I'm obviously upset at men. I'm obviously upset with Catholicism generally and their effort. I'm obviously upset with the justices. Like I'm upset with those people, but the rage part of it for me is coming from the lack of rage and fire and Mm. like all of that from our elected democratic officials who are allegedly the party of pro-choice or whatever they want to call themselves. And Mm -hmm. I fully understand about the filibuster. I fully understand that Joe Biden can't just wave a magic wand. Like, I fucking get that. I also understand that, like, voting isn't going to save us and all of that stuff, but also that voting is a tool in our toolbox for revolution. It is, like, if your toilet is overflowing and you don't have, like, a plunger, you don't just throw away your screwdriver. Like, you might need that You don't just get a new house. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But the rage for me is, like, All I wanted on Friday, all I wanted was for Joe Biden to get up on the microphone or Nancy Pelosi or whatever leaders and say, I'm so mad. I'm going to shame Joe Manchin today publicly. I'm going to tell you the things I'm going to try to do. This is not acceptable. I'm going to sign an executive order. I don't fucking care if you can. I actually don't care if he could have done anything, but like, why are you so chill right now? Like, mm-hmm. all I want to see, all that is, the thing that has just made me so mad is you had the same two months that Dick Sporting Goods had to come up with a statement. You mm-hmm. had the same two months that I had, and all you came up with was reading a poem, Nancy Pelosi? Like, mm. I just don't don't forget they also atonally sang uh, yes. God Bless America. Yeah, don't of forget course. that. Of, I bit could of never. Show choir. And like I know that Nancy Pelosi is a hypocrite and I know that she supported a anti-choice, anti-abortion person in Texas. Like I know all of that, but like wouldn't 
I just would have felt better if Joe Biden stood on that stage and did what politicians are supposed to do, which is fucking politic, and said, I'm in a rage. Joe Manchin needs to get in fucking line. Otherwise, I'm telling you about the time he did X, Y, and Z. He needs to be doing, he needs to be in the offices, fucking calling people out. He needs to be standing there telling us how he's going to do this and he's going to enact this and he's going to forgive student loan debt because at least he can do that today. Like, and it was just like the lowest energy, most lackluster, like, I'm going to mm-hmm. make sure people can maybe travel. It's like, nigga, what? So You're going to make what? sure we can maybe travel? <laughs> like, bro, that's a thing you can actually do. And so for me, like, I feel slightly better today than I felt earlier this weekend because I've finally been able to identify the thing that has been like making me sick. Yeah. Because that's the part to me that I'm like, Sure. Clarence Thomas fucking sucks and he's a piece of shit. But we knew that. What I didn't know was how lackluster these politicians were really going to be. Like, I knew they were going to be lackluster, but I didn't know they weren't just going to fucking fake it. Like, that they weren't going to have gone and been like, okay, my 25-year-old intern said that I should say, fuck Joe Manchin and you'd vote for me. Right. Let me talk to someone young and get my talking points right. Yeah, they really outdid themselves in terms of not doing anything. They outdid by not did. They, They did not did. They yeah. did not did a thing. They outdid by undidding. <laughs> by non undidding. Undid is more of an action than yeah, what they, they did. Non-did. They non did. They non did a damn thing. Yeah. And I'm angry as well, especially at all of the like vote blue no matter who, because we fucking did. Yeah. I did. And it matters. Biden who. was literally my no matter who. Yeah. But and Joe Biden was literally who. my no matter who. Like I, it did not matter who because that was my only choice. So I fucking sucked right. it up and did it. And I, I should not be surprised because this is what people further left than me have been telling me is that, you know, our elected officials are not going to save us. Voting is not going to save us. I still choose to do it because, uh, uh, I don't know, I have fucking Stockholm syndrome to this country. And I think that if I play by the rules, some things will, you know, not everything, but some things will fall into line, um, which, you know, as I get older, I'm just moving further away from that. But for for now, it is still a tool that I choose to participate in. But what has brought me some peace and um, just, uh, you know, I don't want to say hope, but at least some direction, I'll say, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is that for as unsurprised as we were, there are repro justice activists and smart people who have been they they were they were negative surprise. They were unsurprised (laughs) for the last four or five years. They knew this was coming and it is uh it's it's small comfort but it is comfort just in knowing that like yeah the 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 people actually doing this work who are actually going to help you if you need an abortion knew this was coming and are prepared for it and yes Mm -hmm. they're heartbroken too but they have the way forward and all we can do is amplify them support them give them money give them oxygen show their work to uh, as many people as we can and that's what i wanted to do with this episode is grab a couple people who've been in the trenches for a while and just kind of amplify their voices. Um, so thank you for joining me with that. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. Um, so we uh, will get to our guests. I do want to d- give a small disclaimer. We do get into some uh, discussions about self-managed abortion and we uh, our guest gets into the, the details about medication abortion. And so we just have to have a disclaimer that no one on this podcast are doctors. <laughs> no one on this podcast are lawyers. No, what else aren't we? We aren't. We're not digital security experts. 
we are definitely not that. Um, I uh, I am an improver. I did a lot of uh, zip zap zop. Um, and I too have a background in the theater as well as I'm a professional reader. Thank great. you. So two clowns, uh, two <laughs> yeah. clowns and two smart people. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but so without further ado, we'll get to our two guests, um, Rachel and Lorenzo and Lux Alptrom. Our conversation is a bit long, but man, it just kept going. And I just, I adore these two mm-hmm. so much. They really both, want, I'd liked Lux, I knew from Twitter a little bit. And I'd liked her already, but Rachel, they really captured my heart. And mm-hmm. I, I was mm-hmm. so happy to sit in on this. Same. All right, here we go. Let's kick it to a break. And then when we come back, our discussion with the two of them. Welcome back. That was a break. I'm still here with Tracy and we're here with our guests. Tracy first. How you doing? I'm good. Great. Good ish. Yeah. How are you? (laughs) Good ish is great for today. So, Goodish feels like a big win. I got to be honest. It is. And I want you to celebrate it. Um, all right. So our first guest is Rachel and Lorenzo. They are the executive director for Indigenous Women Rising. Their work is based on getting safe access for Indigenous women's healthcare needs, especially surrounding abortion needs and safety. Rachel, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this on the wildest Sunday of 2022, at least. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, just a general quick how you live in that can take any shape or form. How how you live in? Well, uh, I am coming out of a really extreme, like anxiety, depressive episode the last week, and I try to be as open as possible about my mental health because I know uh, everyone has something going on, and there's a lot of stigma. Uh, that being said on Friday, you know, I woke up ready to do some yoga and I was like, okay, I'm finally going to tackle these emails. And my best friend sent me a screenshot of the New York times. Mm. And I was like, this is why creator made me sleep and be Mm. better than for an entire week. Because that day, you know, because we're the only, um, indigenous, led and centered abortion fund in the country and we're the only nationwide fund in the country um, that does not do means testing. Uh, it was it was pretty hectic. We're a really small staff. So I've been feeling white hot rage, um, mm. but also just a ton of love from community. On Friday, we had a, a rally and it was so beautiful. Like, I don't know, 2000 people showed up. I'm exaggerating. I might be exaggerating, but there were a ton of people um, who screamed louder for me than for our governor. And that just made me feel really good. Um, So I've just been carrying that energy with me um, to get through these, these last couple of days. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for being honest about how you were feeling. And yeah, I'm glad you had some rest leading up to leading up to Friday. That's all I can say. I'm glad you had a bit of rest. Our next guest is Lux Alptrom. She's an author and a podcaster and a journalist focused on self-managed abortions. Uh, She also recently wrote an excellent, a very comprehensive piece for Wired titled A Guide to Abortion Resources in a Post-Roe America. Lux, same question. How you living? I'm doing okay, you know, as as well as one can be in this time. Um, it's weird. I'm kind of I'm very resilient and kind of allergic to despair. So I found out the row news through a text from my lawyer brother, like 
as soon as the SCOTUS decision dropped, he texted the whole family. And then I like saw it unfold and, you know, you know, it's coming. But when it hits, it's just like, ugh. and so I was like numb and then I cried and then I was nauseous. And then that night uh, I'm in New York. And so I went to the rally in Washington mm-hmm. Square Park where I think there were actually 10,000 people um, and it was super packed, really great energy. I talked to a lot of people about self-managed abortion. Then I spent Saturday doing some pride stuff and went to the Dyke March and We're in a really terrifying time, obviously, but knowing that there are so many people who care about abortion rights, who care about bodily autonomy, who care about queer and trans rights and all of these interconnected fights and that we are loud and we are proud and we are here to help each other. Like, it makes me feel like even as I know it's going to be really horrible, it's going to be okay, And and everybody should know like there are people out here to help them. And, And for me, that's a real restorative feeling. Yeah, same. Uh, Yeah, part of why I wanted to talk with both of you is because obviously you're both people who have been, you know, in different areas, but you've been, neither of you were surprised by this is the best way I could say that. And that's true for so many activists and maybe for our listeners, because we don't, you know, this isn't exclusively a show about abortion, but what I'm hoping comes across from this episode is how intrinsically linked all these issues are. Us talking about racism every week is is just as uh, germane to the conversation we're having today. These these issues are not separate. Um, but yeah, it just that there may be people listening who were surprised and without shaming them, although, I mean, we shame our listeners all the time. Tracy knows we're we're pretty good at telling them that. Pro-shaming. Yeah, we're pro-shaming. And, and I think Me they personally. like it. They have a deep, <laughs> like, um, they have a need for pain and like uh, a little bit of masochism. Um but I guess what what can either of you say to anyone, whether it's comforting or not, I don't really care. But what can you say to anyone who maybe was surprised or who said, wow, I definitely didn't see this coming? I would say, uh, sorry, <laughs> feel whatever you think you have to feel and do whatever you have to do. But I really encourage folks who feel that way to really be quiet and not tell especially black and indigenous people um migrating relatives anyone who is a clinic escort or an abortion funder um or a volunteer we've got work to do we've been doing the work we've Mm. been doing the work for decades and something that i make a point to iterate is for indigenous people roe has never been a reality because of the Hyde Amendment, which was passed shortly after the Roe v. Wade decision in the 70s. And we've just never known that reality. And neither have incarcerated people, people in the military. Mm -hmm. Um, There are so many groups out there who, who just, that wasn't their reality. And for people to say that, um, that they're surprised okay um (laughs) and investigate how having that kind of of mindset has so many undertones of racism Mm -hmm. and classism because if someone is surprised likely they will continue to have access to abortion they will be able to have the means to pay for their procedure or they might live in a state where insurance um, actually covers abortion care 
and they don't have to reach out to abortion funds like mine to ask for help um, in, in getting any kind of care or asking, you know, about medically accurate information about or about where to go. They'll already have those resources. So I really want people out there who were surprised and felt like their rights were being taken away, like join the club. Mm. Yeah, I think also one of the things that you see, like we saw it right after Trump was elected. We saw it kind of anytime there's a catastrophe, there's people who not only are surprised, but are like, and now I'm going to be the one to fix this. And they (laughs) completely ignore all the work that's been done. Like I remember after Trump got elected, there were people being like, I'm going to do voter outreach. And I was like, there are so many groups Mm -hmm. that you have been ignoring that are experts in this. Why are you not just giving them resources? And now it's the same thing. Like you don't need to create organizations to fund abortions. You don't need to create organizations to connect people who are traveling for abortions to housing. You don't need to create a self-managed abortion resource. If you want to create more like abortion uh, telehealth operators and like people who are actually like, if you want to do work where you create something where you're getting services to people Mm -hmm. um, or you're a doctor and you want to start like prescribing abortion pills off label or whatever, like, yes, yes, do that. But generally speaking, like these resources already exist and they just need amplification and money and like you don't need to reinvent the wheel you need to find the wheels that exist and help push them up the hill yeah and and anyone out there who's like the anti-network please shut up (laughs) please please the reason why i say this is because you know exactly what was said about um you know people who who now feel attacked and they want to do something and start, you know, having all of these ideas. Part of the reason why I feel like white liberal women in particular feel so attacked by folks who are not, you know, pussy hat liberals or progressives is the fact that we spend a lot of time vetting people and we spend a lot of time training each other a lot of our success as an abortion fund and the strength of our internal infrastructure as an organization is because of the leadership of Black people, of Black women. We have gone through years of coalition building and learning about messaging and learning about um, about how to treat our staff in an equitable way and recognizing anti-Blackness and racism and classism and ableism in our own organizations and in the way that we carry out our work, we do all of that work aside from just funding and helping people get abortions because we recognize it's not just about abortion. It is about Mm -hmm. environmental justice. It's about incarceration. It's about um, LGBTQ rights. It's about water access. Um, Flint, Michigan still does not have have clean water. Um, It's about all of these things, right? And part of what we've been learning is how to put aside our own egos and figure out how to listen to each other and how Mm -hmm. to do conflict resolution in a loving, compassionate, accountable way. um, So that way we are stronger together. Right. Also, Rachel kind of addressed this already, but 
the, the all the fears that people have about what's going to happen post row, what's going to happen post row, it's already been happening, and it's mostly mm-hmm. been happening to low income women of color. Like we've already seen low income women of color going to prison for self managing abortion or even just mm-hmm. having a miscarriage, and that's while Roe was intact. Like people focus on Lizelle Herrera in Texas. Obviously in Texas, they had done the six week abortion ban, but there was Pervy Patel in Indiana. There's like numerous cases like, um, Brittany Pula yeah. in Oklahoma. Right. Brittany Pula. Like, so there's so many. I, I think the only one that I can remember where it was a white woman, she was still like a low income rural white woman. So mm dealing with that disenfranchisement. And her name was Jennifer Whalen. She was in rural Pennsylvania and her daughter got pregnant and she couldn't get her to an abortion clinic because they're in a rural area, which people also forget. Like even Mm -hmm. in like California and New York state, Mm -hmm. people in rural areas have functionally no abortion access outside of now telehealth, now that that's expanded. But historically, it's like they can't. If your nearest clinic is three hours away, you don't have clinic access. Um, And so Jennifer Whalen ordered abortion pills off the Internet for her daughter. The daughter took them. Then she got scared that maybe there were some complications. So she took the daughter to the hospital. And her big mistake was that, and this probably came from the fact that she was white, she trusted doctors Mm -hmm. enough to tell them, we ordered abortion pills off the Internet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then she ended up going to prison for practicing medicine without a license. Um, and that was in 2014 when Roe was law of the land. Um, that was happening because even when abortion was quote unquote legal everywhere, there were still so many laws and so many ways to get caught up in the system and get punished and imprisoned for either, you know, expressing your own bodily autonomy or helping someone else do that. Um, and, and by filling in the gaps of a system that is letting everybody down and has been letting most people down for so long, you could wind up in prison. And so that's when, when uh, self-managed abortion advocates and experts talk about what's going to happen now, they don't have to guess because they've seen what's been happening for right. years. Yeah, there is no what if there is no. This is also why we were talking before, why we don't need the fucking Handmaid's Tale imagery. We don't need we don't need white women in red cloaks cosplaying a Hulu show to teach us about the cosplay. It's cosplay. It's theater. It's and it's so embarrassing. It's I I truly get it. Like, I'm like, you think you're really doing something right now? Like, Excuse me? Do does anyone even know where Margaret Atwood got the idea for this? It's called real life. Yeah. Anybody heard about fucking science fiction? It's based on real life. Yeah. That's how these things work. She said, What if slavery, but with the chick from Mad Men? <laughs> yeah. But also the thing the thing I saw a tweet about this where it's like, if you want to cosplay as Handmaid's Tale, why aren't you cosplaying the part where they're blowing shit up and like assassinating Ooh, people? Right, right, like, right. Why are you cosplaying your victimhood? That's what's so right. fucked up to me. Like, I see all these things where people are like, and let me just like have an anxiety attack in public and tell you how everything is going to be bad and it's hopeless. And I'm like, who are you helping? Like, we should be aware of the risks, but why aren't we being like, here is how we're going to fix it. Here is how... I'm going to get you an abortion, even if it's illegal, because fuck the laws doesn't matter. They don't get to tell you what to do with your body. This may sound really radical into my secret uh, FBI agent listening. (laughs) You know, I I really don't believe we will achieve true liberation until we have some kind of revolution. And those revolutions will be violent. We are already seeing I'm not saying this group is right or wrong, um, but for 
For decades, we've seen anti-abortion extremists kill doctors in their church in front of their families. Tell me that that is pro-life. That's bullshit. We've had anti-abortion extremists bomb clinics, shoot up clinics, and just be terrible human beings um, to people who are just trying to live their life. And we have one group, Jane's Revenge, that is graffitiing buildings, and now they're being labeled a terrorist organization. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I agree with them, and I'm not saying that I, I don't know much about them, but I see the the difference in how the media and the public views pro-life versus pro-choice, which I hate. Um, right. It's anti-abortion and it's pro-abortion. Mm-hmm. And that's that's it. That's all there is. Yeah. All there is to it. And so I I see these extreme things happening. And until until people who are angry and frustrated, which, by the way, we have a constitutional right to overthrow our government, just putting that out there, until people are really willing to make those personal and legal and financial risks, like I'm ready to do because I care about abortion so much because I recognize it's not just about abortion, especially for my people, unless we're willing to do that shit, like we're not, it, it, we're just going to keep having the handmaid's tale and people who worship uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is actually not very good on Indian law. And so mm. I have very complicated feelings about Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. May her memory be a blessing. But nothing is black and white when it comes to this. And who are we to to be the arbiters of what's right and what's wrong, especially when we have these anti-abortion politicians and business owners who are totally against uh, paid parental leave and Medicaid expansion and all of these things. Like the math isn't mathing. As <laughs> the math is say. not mathing. Like if you were truly yeah. pro-life, you would be pro all of these things. You would be pro, you know, sex education in schools mm-hmm. because it's been proved time and again that abstinence only education is not effective in reducing unwanted pregnancies. If that was truly their goal to reduce unwanted pregnancies, which it, it's not. It's clear that it's about control. Yeah. I, so I, I want to just go back to this thing about abortion doctors being assassinated uh, because that's that's actually very personal to me because mm. I went to high school in Buffalo in the late 90s um, and I used to drive by women, Buffalo Women's Services, uh, which is one of their abortion clinics. It's actually, a now it's an abortion clinic and a birthing center, which is really lovely to see. So I would drive by every day on my way to school um, in... I think it was late 1998, Dr. Barnett Slepian, who was a doctor at Buffalo Women's Services, was shot by a sniper in his home in the suburbs of Buffalo. And then six months later, Spring of Life, like came to Buffalo to protest. And it was it left a permanent scar on the Buffalo abortion rights community. Like, absolutely. I in 2019, I went and interviewed people at Buffalo Women's Services and Number one, Dr. Slepian's coworkers are still providing abortions and remember him and they have a tribute to him in the clinic. But also because of that assassination, like it had a chilling effect on abortion in Buffalo. Like you don't Mm. have the the number of providers Mm. has dropped off. 
Like uh, uh, Buffalo, it's not, it's the second largest city in New York state. It's by a mile, the second largest city. Like very, it's, it's a medium sized city, but it's still within the city limits. There are only two abortion providers and they're two Mm. blocks from each other. One is Buffalo Women's Services, which last I checked only does surgical abortions and only does them up to 19 weeks. About two blocks away, there's Planned Parenthood, which only does medication abortions. Then like in the suburbs, there's like one private practice provider. There's another Planned Parenthood in one of the suburbs that does surgical and medical abortions. But that's it. And that's not just the city of Buffalo. That's like West, a lot of Western New York. And mm-hmm. so... People are scared to provide abortions out of their private practices. Therefore, they only do them in clinics. If you do clinics, you kind of have to have a critical mass of people, which means they're only in cities, which is why people in rural areas have very limited abortion access. And one of the other frustrating things about people who are were solely focused on Roe is that they got it into their heads that as long as there was one abortion clinic in every state, that was somehow mm, okay. Right. That it didn't matter, like how many barriers there were. It didn't matter how far people had to travel, how long they had to wait. If you could technically get an abortion, then that was okay. And that's Mm -hmm. such a low bar. And it's when I saw at the rally on Friday, I saw somebody with a sign that said defend Roe. And I'm like, honey, that ship has sailed. Like, fuck Roe. Who cares about Roe? I want like abortion pills in every drugstore. I want every hospital, every doctor to provide abortion on demand. It's a simple procedure. It does not take like it's not a specialized procedure if it's an early abortion. Like certainly if you're doing later term, that's more complicated. But like there should be no reason why your gynecologist can't do a vacuum aspiration early in your pregnancy. And they just choose not to. I just want to speak to that point really quickly. My husband's actually an OBGYN, and we talked a lot um, when the leak came out about what this would mean also for doctors who provide these services. Um, where my husband works, they provide them in office, in in his in his hospital up to a certain point, and then they have specialized doctors in the hospital who do it after a certain point, which is traditional because it is a surgery. And to your point, while it is a simple procedure, and many of these states now where Roe has been overturned, there will not be a pipeline of doctors who can even do the simple procedure because they're not able to practice and it's still considered surgery, right? If it's not a medical, it's not a uh, medication abortion, it's still a form of surgery. And I think a lot of people are also missing that it's not just horrible right now. It's going to be horrible in the future because the pipeline of people who are able to do it, you know, you it's not just like, oh, I can read about how to do this and then I can perform this on people. Like you have to do training just like you would for a knee replacement surgery, right? Like, like all other things. And so I think it's important to remember that it affects, like you're saying, Rachel, like it's not just about abortion. It's about all these other pieces that come together between the environment and the training and, you know, the LGBTQ. It's so much. I mean, there's a book called like all like how abortion became how all politics became abortion or I can't remember the title, but I think people are missing sort of the scope of what this yeah. looks like, even yeah. on a simple procedure that's like <laughs> You don't have doctors. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask a quick question? Sorry about the Hyde Amendment, um, because I know I've seen a lot of things about people talking about, you know, about what can be done. This was literally on a federal. Yeah. Oh, OK, good. <laughs> I, I know you mentioned it earlier, Rachel, but I was like, flag this. We have to get to it. Yeah, because it's been wild on Twitter with people suddenly thinking they're Hyde Amendment scholars. So please continue. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and so I'm just I'm curious about like what 
if anything can be done about the Hyde Amendment, are there ways that like Joe Biden can fix any of this in regards to federal usage, land usage and not not like Nate, not native lands, but just like, can he establish this is a federal space that we're going to perform abortions or is that blocked because of the Hyde Amendment? And for people who don't know, can you tell them what the Hyde Amendment is? Because I realized that was also a jump. <laughs> could I also, before Rachel has to answer, could I also offer a, a potential redirect? So you can answer this however you want. Because my, my question was literally going to be, there's a lot of non-native folk on Twitter who seem to think that setting up abortion clinics on sovereign land is going to save us all. Can you tell us some of your favorite reasons why that's a terrible idea? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so I look, Trump is will always be a piece of shit. One <laughs> thing I wish Biden would do is like, look at what Trump did and people will always thought like, oh, that can't be done. Trump wrote an executive order for it and his will be done. Like, can Biden not do that too? Like, just see where it goes. I told my people on Friday that voting is not going to save us one Mm -hmm. fucking bit, right? We voted blue. We voted blue and we have a president who refuses to say the word abortion. Mm -hmm. How am I going to trust an old white man who can't even say the word abortion to do anything to uh, guarantee that everyone will have access to abortion care, no matter where they live or where they come from. I don't trust him and I don't trust Congress. I do not trust the Senate. I don't know what Biden can do regarding the Hyde Amendment, which is a, they call it a rider um, on every appropriations bill that says no federal funds um, can go towards abortion care. It's been on every appropriations bill. For folks who don't know, uh, an appropriations bill is just like a budget. The president did propose a budget um, to Congress without the Hyde Amendment. Cool. I, I think it'll be uh, edited. But yeah, like he, he can try something. Uh, as far as clinics on reservations, I just... I know. I wish I could describe the full body eye roll you just yeah. did. It was beautiful to behold. Yeah. I oh my god, the rage and oh. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's ignorant. It's ignorant as fuck, and not just yeah. ignorant, but it's racist. Mm-hmm. It's racist to believe that our sovereign land, which my people fought and died for, and gave up our language and our culture for, mm-hmm. that our land are places where you can skirt the law. I get mm-hmm. that you have good intentions, but please fuck off kindly. Like mm-hmm. uh, my people did not fight and die on this land for you to go out breaking the laws and and uh, you know uh, to break the laws. Yes, but the strategy has to be indigenous led. Those are our lands. We are mm-hmm. sovereign nations within this nation, and while to an extent sovereignty is kind of a farce because the federal government can can dangle the purse strings in front of tribes and say, if you don't do what we're telling you to, like, we'll start, you know, taking revenge however we can through the Department of the Interior or, you know, Bureau of Land Management or whatever, right? They There are all kinds of things that the federal government can do. By the way, blood quantum is not traditional 
we are not like a quarter, whatever it's BS into native people who hang on to blood quantum. Um, please go see a medicine man because you are not right. Um, <laughs> like people don't understand that tribes, not every tribe has its own court system. Not every tribe uh, is in a state where the federal government has a trust responsibility. There are some states, uh, they're called public law 280 states, where um, the federal government gives up its trust responsibility to the state. So any uh, uh, criminal or civil issue goes through the state. And if you live in a red state, like, good luck. And there's no guarantee that the federal government is going to take on a case. So if you have non-native people, and also a lot of this depends on whether or not someone is native or not, and a crime happens on native land, who has jurisdiction um, mm -hmm. for something happening? So if you're setting, wanting to set up on a tribe that also does not have law enforcement, like my tribe, Muscalero Apache tribe, they don't have their own law enforcement. They have to rely on the federal government, Bureau of Indian Affairs Law Enforcement, to do that job for them. Okay, so not every tribe even has its own, and I'm ACAB, like, fuck the cops. But, like, <laughs> not every tribe has has those same resources that some people might expect in the city. They might have cops who, like, don't give a shit about extremist protesters on Native land. The, the state government or federal government might decide they don't want to prosecute uh, anti-abortion protesters, you know, if they were harassing our people or doctors or, or vandalizing tribal property. Um, tribes are fighting for clean water. We're mm -hmm. fighting for uh, paved roads and funding to build new houses on our land, which by the way, we don't own any of our land. It's held in trust by the federal government. It's a very paternalistic relationship. Mm -hmm. So for anyone to think that that we have the infrastructure or the willingness, the political will or the legal resources to be sued by states and by, by the federal government, maybe sometime down the road, um, and to make these really heavy investments in clinics meeting certain codes, certain standards that independent clinics themselves already many times can't afford. That's why trap laws are so dangerous. Oh, is that a kitty cat? Yeah. Oh, it does. <laughs> what oh, a little little moment of joy. Yeah, I she's just been nosing cats. around. And <laughs> I I have I have my fat cat tiger in front of me. Aww. I love cats. Oh, but anyway, so yeah, stop stop fucking asking us. We just don't have the resources. It's almost like uh, people who aren't used to any form of oppression are looking around and going. Okay, who's used to this? Who can I lean on? Who can handle this? Who's used to this? And the un the subtext of that is who has has quietly kind of deserved this all along because I certainly don't. So how can I lean on them because they 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 get it. They they're used to having their rights trampled. It frustrates me so much because it's like white people are never expected to be held accountable, right? Like Catholic hospitals are an atrocity. Mm -hmm. Catholic hospitals will not provide abortions. They will, if a doctor is affiliated with a Catholic hospital, they will not provide abortions. Like this is also another reason why abortion access in Buffalo is not great because half of there's four hospitals and two of them are Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, and at Catholic hospitals, I always have to mention this anecdote that I heard uh, when I bring this up because it's so horrifying to me. If you go to a Catholic hospital with an ectopic pregnancy, uh, an ectopic pregnancy is when the 
egg gets stuck. It kind of implants in the fallopian tube rather than going all the way into the uterus. It it is life-threatening. It is very, very dangerous. And it's also really easy to deal with. You can just get a shot that dissolves the embryo and restores everything to normal. At Catholic hospitals, it is so important to them to to preserve this quote-unquote unborn life that rather than just giving you that simple shot, they will take out your fallopian tube. So they will perform surgery on you so that this embryo that is not viable because it's an ectopic pregnancy, they want to preserve that rather than preserving your body and your, I mean, you still, your fertility is still intact because you still have the other one, but still, like, why should you have to go through this surgery because of their bizarre ideal. It and sounds like using leeches in 2022 yeah, it's instead horrific. of just using it's modern horrific. medicine. And like, you know, all these, one of the things that also just makes me so angry is all of these tech companies are like, we're pro-choice, we're pro-choice. So you're seeing these businesses being like, we're going to pay for your abortion. Number one, how many of those companies are donating to anti-choice, anti-abortion mm-hmm. politicians. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like one hand washing the other, like we'll like, give money to Greg Abbott, but also pay for your abortion travel. Mm-hmm. But also in the tech space, like all of these startups say that they support abortion rights and do nothing concretely to get people abortions. Like this became something I was really angry about a few years ago. I was at this like repro health startup breakfast and everybody on the panel was like, that's we- just like word soup. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was like it was like um, Capsule, which is like online pharmacy. Tia, which was this kind of like New York City women's health clinic. There was a fertility um, clinic. I forget. There was like some other stuff. There was like some of these telehealth things. But yeah, it was very, very Silicon Valley. I mean, it was in New York, but, you know, Um And all of them were like, we support abortion. We support abortion. And I was like, okay, how many of you are providing abortions? And it was just crickets. Mm -hmm. And like at the time, abortion telehealth was heavily restricted. I understood that. But some of these people had brick and mortar clinics where they could have provided abortions. And all they were doing was like, well, we'll refer people to have abortions. And it's like, that's not enough. And so it just, it makes me so angry when I see these like, these companies that will sell you Viagra and mm-hmm. could could uh, distribute abortion pills, but don't want to go through the hoops. They don't want to risk pissing off their funders. They just want the social cred of saying, right. we believe in abortion without actually having to have any skin in the game. And then, yeah, then they're like, black women, please save us. Indigenous people, please save us when they're not willing to take any risk. And it's it's sickening. Also, Lux, I- that is... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was also going to say, like, I know you're like, oh, this is kind of off topic for this podcast, but I don't think it is because Mm -hmm. like abortion shit, it's hella racist. It's so fucking racist. Yeah. Yeah. And like, ah, it's so sickening. Yeah. What Lux said about um, these companies who want the social credit, that's exactly how white women liberals Mm -hmm. um, with their pussy hats and the, you know, force men to get vasectomies. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the same people who are unwilling to put in the years of work, of learning from other marginalized groups about how to organize, about political strategy, about messaging, about being inclusive and not just having a fucking diversity, equity and inclusion person liaison department whatever um mayor keller um 
mayor of Albuquerque. <laughs> I love the local shade. I love it. Yeah, I love shade in all forms, <laughs> yeah. shapes, sizes. Just be, be local <laughs> and petty. Our listeners yeah. will love it. It's a dream. I'm so petty. I'm so petty. Um, but anyway, yeah, like those are the same people who are unwilling to do the work and put in the time and the money that is necessary to make our movement as strong as it could be. The white folks who are giving us money and who organize with us, they're not asking for cookies, nor am I going to give mm. them cookies no. um, for, for helping us. It is their obligation as colonizers on stolen land to help us rematriate our land and ensure that we have full bodily autonomy. Because when we and Black folks and undocumented people and incarcerated people are at the center, when we are at the center making the solutions based on our lived experiences, everybody benefits. Everybody will benefit. So this ain't about you. Mm, whoever yeah. is listening and getting also it. I just want to say one I don't want to forget this because I think this is a really important point a lot of times when Americans talk about abortion it's like all American political issues it's so insular mm. and like we think nothing has ever happened before it happens here we're totally different whatever there is a whole incredibly amazing movement of in the global south of abortion rights activism and like especially yes. in Latin America. And the whole fucking reason that we have abortion pills is because women in Brazil found out that an ulcer medication could be used to safely terminate an abortion. And Americans ignore that. They they don't mm -hmm. understand. Like I remember it was so sick when Mexico um De I think they decriminalized abortion right around the time that like Texas passed the six week abortion ban. I think it was some kind of timing and people were like, how can Mexico be ahead of us? And I was like, because the Latin American feminists have been doing amazing advocacy, like Argentinians, uh, yeah. Uruguayans. They have been in in a really in an area that's heavily dominated by the Catholic Church. They have been organizing. They have been pushing back. And, you know, I am just now starting to see American feminists adopting like um, I think it's La Madreya Verde, like the green bandanas and all of that. And like if you're going to wear the green bandana, you should learn about the women who made that a thing. You right. should understand that there is a whole history of incredibly amazing, incredibly brave Latin American feminists and repro justice activists who have been pushing back against odds far worse than in America to make mm -hmm. abortion and make safe abortion a reality by just, again, having abortions, by saying, like, we're going to, you say it's illegal, we're going to do it anyway, and we're going to hit the streets. And the green bandana is their symbol. And it's good for us to recognize that we're part of a global struggle, but also actually learn about that global struggle. It just makes me so proud to be Mexicana too. So <laughs> my biological dad's uh, family from Mexico, um, both of my abuelos speak almost completely Spanish. Um, my abuelo became a citizen like three years ago. So when I saw that, I was like, man, those are my people. That's my gente. Like, I'm so proud. Uh, when you were talking about topic pregnancies and how, you know, often the solution to save the pregnant person's life is a vacuum aspiration or is a DNC, the, the fact that that has not been able to be performed at Catholic hospitals or the fact that, you know, there are plenty of places in the United States, in California, in New York and quote unquote lefty states where people have not been able to access the life-saving care that they need, have not been able to access abortions. And this week we just saw a story 
I don't know what fucking paper it's in. I feel for these people, but I also was kind of rolling my eyes that we suddenly <laughs> decided to pay attention to this couple in Malta, um, a pregnant couple flew to Malta for a baby moon uh, at 16 weeks pregnant. This is for a wanted pregnancy, not that that should matter, but just for clarification, and suffered a really tragic complication where the fetus was no longer viable. This was a miscarriage. This was, you know, whatever, no one's fault. This was a wanted pregnancy. But because Malta is the only EU company that has an outright total abortion ban, this pregnant person could not get, this woman could not get the life-saving care that she needed and had to take a very risky flight to Spain just so that her life could be saved because of, uh, I don't know, some archaic fucking rule based on a, a, a fantasy book. I don't know why. But uh, so the fact that Americans are so bad at looking anywhere else where this shit is already going on, including in our own backyard, including to our own people, to our indigenous people who Rachel has pointed out, have always had a hard time getting this kind of care. The fact that we are just paying attention now is embarrassing and that's mm-hmm. okay so, some of my best work i've done in my career has been when i was embarrassed about doing something badly and then mm-hmm. went oh you know what i need to get better at this because i'm smart i don't need to be embarrassed so if that was you if, if any listener falls into that category i just want to encourage you from this point on hopefully from friday on hopefully from two years ago on but maybe from this point on you can do better and know better and you can arm yourself with with information so that you are not embarrassing anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's the best way I can put it. <laughs> I also, just, just wanna, I also want to say just based on based on what you said, um, you know, people talk a lot about the coat hanger, the coat hanger, like the unsafe oh. self-managed abortion. And the thing is, like, a, I hate that because we have abortion pills. It's relatively easy to get abortion pills. If you go to aid access, they are based in the in Europe. They will send you abortion pills. You can get them even if you're not pregnant because it can take several weeks to get them. There are uh, Mexican feminists who are sending abortion pills to Americans. If you want to do a misoprostol only abortion, misoprostol, you could technically order it on the internet without a prescription. Um, and it is often cheaper than mifepristone plus misoprostol. Or, you know, doulas have misoprostol. Like, there's a lot of ways to get access to pills that will give you a safe, self-managed abortion. Nobody is going to need to turn to the coat hanger as long as we tell them about Mm -hmm. safe, self-managed abortion. But the people who will die and the people who are very, very likely to die are people who need medically necessary, often later term abortions that they will be denied. Um, You mentioned this woman in Malta. There was also, I don't remember her name, but there was a Polish woman who died because abortion is not legal in Poland. And she had, I think there was like no amniotic fluid. And I think Mm -hmm. there was an infection. It was some really horrible situation where she was denied an abortion and she died. And it's also not even just abortion. Um, One of my colleagues likes to say, like, there's many reasons why somebody might need to empty the contents of the uterus. And when you Mm -hmm. make abortion illegal, you make it illegal to learn how to empty the contents of the uterus, which means that in a variety of medical situations where that is a life-saving skill, people cannot get that treatment. And, you know, we see abortion and miscarriage as like hand in hand and like, oh, okay, if you compromise abortion care, you compromise miscarriage care. But there's other things beyond that. There's like a lot of reasons why you might need to empty the contents of a uterus. And if your doctor can't do that, your doctor is not fully trained. 
That's a very literal. Thank you for that. That's a very good literal explanation. Like it's a spelling out of the abortion is healthcare, you know, kind of blanket statement that people post and put in their bios, but maybe don't exactly know what they're saying. Like they understand kind of the sentiment behind it. But literally what you just said, there are many reasons to empty a uterus where that is necessary for your health. And if a, uh, a provider has not been taught that because it's illegal, they are not able to do that. So that so, yeah, just thank you for that. Um, I wanted to give you uh, more opportunities to talk about uh, self-managed abortion, Lux, because I do think arming people with this knowledge will unfortunately come in handy for a lot of people. So can you walk me through if I live in um, a state where abortion is now banned? Um, you mentioned aid access. How how can I safely go about getting this? And then I also kind of want to talk about uh, protecting yourself, protecting yourself in like a digital security way, uh, not speaking to uh, healthcare providers about taking the medication if you don't have to. Let's kind of flex to that a little bit. Yeah. So I will start by saying I'm not a digital security expert, so someone else might be better to speak to that end. Um, but I will say if you are anywhere in the United States, regardless of the legal status of abortion, if you want to self-manage an abortion or if you might one day want to self-manage an abortion or if you just want to have abortion pills on hand in case somebody needs them, you can go to a website called Aid Access. It's aidaccess.org, A-I-D-A-C-C-E-S-S.org. They are based in Europe and they will mail abortion pills anywhere in the United States. Uh, if you are in a state where it's legal, they will connect you to an American physician and it kind of works that way. If you are in a state where it is criminalized, they will connect you with European doctors who then have the prescription filled through an India-based pharmacy. Now, that can take like two to three weeks to get the pills from India, which is a major reason why you mm -hmm. might want to do what's called advanced provision and ask for these pills before you're pregnant. Because Abortion is a really time-sensitive procedure, and the sooner that you have an abortion, the easier it is, especially with something like uh, abortion with pills. Abortion with pills, if people who don't know, I'll just say now, basically what is happening with an abortion with pills is that you are, you are inducing a miscarriage. Uh, the first pill that people take is called mifepristone. It stops the production of progesterone, which means it stops the fetus from developing. If you only take mifepristone, it's about 80% effective because basically your body recognizes that the fetus has stopped developing and oftentimes it will just expel it, but it doesn't always work that way. And if you only take mifepristone, there is a chance that the fetus will go septic and you'll get an infection and that's very bad, which is why you take the second set of pills about, I think it's 24 hours later, um, and that is misoprostol. And misoprostol is actually a commonly available ulcer medication that one of its things that it does is that it induces contractions in the uterus. So it empties the contents of the uterus and it completes the miscarriage by telling your uterus, okay, we're going to empty it out. Uh, this pregnancy is no longer viable. It's possible to have an abortion with mifepristone alone, but it's better to do it with misoprostol. It is also possible to have an abortion with misoprostol alone. The way that works is that you take a course of four misoprostol pills, you keep them in your cheeks for about 30 minutes, and then you take water, drink down what's left, wait three hours, do another course, wait three hours, do another course. Over the process of this, it should induce a miscarriage. Um, 
If you go online, there's a variety of sites, howtoseabortionpill.org, abortionpillinfo.org. They have comprehensive information about self-managed abortion with pills that go into much more detail than I can go into on this call. Um, uh, but I will say, you know, there are multiple options. The best option is mifepristone plus misoprostol. But because mifepristone is heavily regulated, sometimes people have an easier time getting misoprostol. And if you can only get misoprostol, it's important to know that that is sufficient and that that can help you safely terminate an abortion. So that is basically a process of taking pills to induce a miscarriage. Oftentimes, it's fine. Uh, these pills are safer than Tylenol. Most people don't have any complications and can successfully terminate no problems. However, as with all things miscarriage, as anybody who's had a miscarriage knows, sometimes it's incomplete. Sometimes there are complications. That's just a part of how the body works. So some people will find that they need to get follow-up care. Uh, some people will also just get scared even when nothing is wrong mm. and want to seek out follow-up care. If you go to the doctor, it is incredibly important to not mention that you took abortion pills. There's no need for them to know that. That doesn't give them any information that's going to be beneficial for your health. There's also no way that they can tell that you took abortion pills because by the time the abortion has happened, they're out of your system. They can't test for anything. And also it is functionally identical to a miscarriage that it is a miscarriage. So there's nothing they can't look and be like, aha, I see the pills. No, you just tell them I had a miscarriage and I want follow up care. Now, where the problem comes in is a either people mention that they took abortion pills, which is not a good thing to do. Uh, doctors and nurses and their staff can all be cops, too. Unfortunately, like they should not be reporting you, but and they have no legal obligation to report you in most states. But a lot of them will decide that they do, even though they're violating doctor patient confidentiality. But, you know, so don't tell them. But another thing that will happen is sometimes they'll look at you and say, I think that you had an abortion. I don't think this is a miscarriage. And that's usually because you are low income mm -hmm. or because you are a woman of color. And they mm -hmm. will say, like, I just I think or maybe you they decide like, oh, you're not sad enough. Like it's mm -hmm. whatever bullshit excuse they come up with. And if they report you, that's when digital security really becomes a problem because it's not like I see people who are making it sound like the cops are like proactively searching Twitter and prowling and ER. Rooms yeah. And, and like yeah. they're fucking lazy. Like they're not doing that. <laughs> it's just the doctors. If the doctors suspect you and report you, that's when they'll start looking through your texts and they'll say, like, did you mention abortion to anybody? Did you say that you want an abortion? Did you say this? That's when they'll start looking at your digital history. And so it is really, really important to, you know, use encrypted messaging services where your texts will be deleted like Signal if you're talking to somebody about getting an abortion in a place where it's criminalized. It's really important to use browsers that will cover your tracks. I don't, again, I don't want to profess to be an expert on any of that. Sure. Um, but I will say that's really important. It's also just really important to not tell people who you can't trust and to not tell doctors or, right. again, nurses or medical staff because that is where people get wrapped up in the system. And it's so fucked up that I have to say this. It is so fucked up. You should not have to be afraid to tell your doctor that you chose to terminate a pregnancy because that was the right decision for you. But unfortunately, like we live in a fucked up surveillance state where that's the case and also where you don't have to say anything and they can just decide yeah. that you mm -hmm. had an abortion. Um, but and it's also, yeah, one last thing, really mm -hmm. important to know 
there are resources to help you if you're in that situation. If, when, how is lawyering for reproductive justice, um, they have both the Repro Legal Helpline, where you can call them if you have any questions about self-managed abortion, um, and they have the Repro Legal Defense Fund, where they will provide legal support for you if you are prosecuted or arrested or otherwise criminalized for self-managed abortion or miscarriage or anything in that space. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And uh, again, we've been saying it over and over, but this is not new. This is not because Roe fell, quote unquote. This has been happening. Women and people who ended their pregnancies have been criminalized and been sent to jail for miscarriages, for being perceived to be drug users. This has already been happening. These are concrete cases that is that have been going on just not that often to white people. So it hasn't made big news. But this is happening now, has been happening for a long time. So none of this is theoretical or hypothetical. Just want to make that very clear. Yeah. And also, I'm just going to throw out a couple names of other resources. Um, PlanCPills.org is a really great database that has links to whatever state you're in, they will tell you who will send you abortion pills. And they will have both like telehealth, like things where you have physician support, but also online pharmacies that will just send you the pills if that's the better route for you. Uh, Reprocare.com is a hotline confidential that will provide you emotional support while you are self-managing abortion. The MA hotline, miscarriage and abortion hotline, I think it's like mahotline.org, that is, again, confidential. We'll connect you with doctors who can work you through the process of self-managed abortion and miscarriage and answer any questions that you have. There are so many resources that have been people have been building for years that exist that are here to help you. And it's so important to know about them and know that you're not alone because people keep talking about like, oh, it's the 1970s. It's not, it's not the 1970s. We have abortion pills and we have the Internet. And those are both huge huge innovations that will keep people who need abortion safe no matter where they live. Yeah. Rachel, how can people best support funds like yours? And what do you wish you were seeing more of? Like, I just kind of want to direct people in, in actionable ways. We've talked a lot about donating to the National Network of Abortion Funds, donating to independent clinics in your area, um, everywhere anyone lives, even in quote unquote safe states, uh, people locally need your help accessing this care. There are people struggling to access the care. So donate locally no matter where you live. Um, but, but yeah, what do you wish you were seeing more of like that's, that's actionable for people? Mm -mm. I will say what I like seeing. Um, and that is small business owners, artists, anybody who has a, a passion or a hobby using their skills to fundraise for us. And if they can't fundraise for us, then they get their fellow knitters together and <laughs> talk about like what indigenous and black people have contributed to the world of knitting or crocheting. My favorite example is in 2020, this local store here in Albuquerque called Hip Stitch. Um, you know, we had a really good discussion about Black Lives Matter. And I was like, I'm not black. I, I, I don't know exactly. Like, I'm still learning, too. But what I can tell you what's been really helpful for me is learning about how black women in particular have um, have contributed and developed uh, the framework of reproductive justice, because that's what I'm passionate about. There are um, Black women in the Deep South who, for for them, quilting is sacred. Like, 
go research them and then spread that knowledge and know that it wasn't just a couple of white ladies um, getting together, learning how to quilt, right? Like, there are so many ways that people can get engaged and from there think of community-based solutions. So I'm a bit hesitant to say exactly how people can get involved. All of the things that you mentioned are absolutely things that people can do. But I also encourage people to not feel like, like it's so overwhelming that they have to start something new. Just literally sit down and write out all of the things you're passionate about and all of the things you're really good at. And then do that. You want to have a bake sale? Are you a, are you a, like a world-class baker? Because we had this young woman in, I believe, the Bay Area. She is a professional pie. It's art. It, it's art. I and wish I was a professional made, pie. Oh, my Same. God. I wish I could eat a professional pie. <laughs> Going out of that hot oven. But she made these beautiful, beautiful pies. And she raffled them off to all of her friends. And raise like $400 for us like three years ago. Like we have um, some tattoo artists in Portland that we're going to be visiting next week. Uh, They got their tattoo artist friends together. They're going to have a benefit for us. Um, Some musicians did a benefit show for us. Like there are so many different ways that people can get involved and at least spread information. We have um, on our social media, if you scroll down a bit, um, we have a political art kit that people can access for free. And there are directions in there on how to make a mini zine, some prompts that people can do with their families, some political um, coloring pages, uh, information on what we do, uh, conversation starters, resources for families who want to listen to something together, a pod, um, six minute sex ed podcast. So there are, there's just so many things that people can do. And I just want to reiterate, like there's always room for you, whoever you are in this movement, no matter what your skill set is. Shit. If you like to cosplay like my kid. Yeah. <laughs> Get the cosplayers together. Not Come the handmaid cosplayers. No, not the handmaid cosplayers. <laughs> yeah. We don't mean no. to disparage Y'all all home. cosplayers. It's just those corny ones. But no, there's so many yeah. Trekkies that listen to this pod. So Trekkies, y'all have more skills than I knew existed in this universe. <laughs> when I see these damn costumes, I'm always like, what? Yeah, there. I, I have no idea like what the Trekkies <laughs> can do. But y'all are more brilliant than I am. Like y'all can <laughs> solve something. Yeah. Also, I feel like, you know, for six years, everybody's like, hashtag resist, resist, resist. Mm -hmm. And I want people to understand that talking about abortion and telling people about self-managed abortion is resistance in the most literal sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because Mm -hmm. one of the one of the big problems with what and I'm using this intentionally, the pro-choice movement has done for years is they really leaned hard on this idea of abortion being dangerous and needing Mm. to be in a clinic, like the safe, Mm -hmm. legal, rare thing. Like abortion is dangerous and we need to be legal so that it's safe. But when you tell people that abortion is dangerous, you set up this whole system where the right can exploit that and they can do all these trap laws that are like, you have to have all of these things to make sure abortion is really safe. Right. And that chips away at abortion access. Whereas 
self-managed abortion starts from the premise that abortion is so safe that you can do it alone in your home by yourself. And if that's the case, which is true, and that's not an ideal situation for a lot of people, and I don't want to like be like, and it's that's the solution. But if we start from the premise that abortion is so safe that I could take pills, I could induce an abortion, I could be home alone, and I would be fine— then we say, we're saying it doesn't need to be regulated. We're saying abortion pills should be in the drugstore. Mm-hmm. They are safer than Tylenol. Why are they not over the counter? Right. Why are we saying that you need uh, like but you can get all oxy. of this extra? Right. Why are we <laughs> saying like you need all of these extra hours of licensing? Why are we saying that you need to be an ambulatory surgical center just to do a first trimester abortion. Like that all comes from the idea that abortion is dangerous. So when we talk about self-managed abortion, like A, we are giving people access to much needed information, but we are also shifting the the tone of the discourse. And we are Mm -hmm. shifting like philosophically, I want people to understand abortion can and should be everywhere. It is incredibly safe. It's been around for thousands of years. It's, you know, it's way older than the abortion clinic. And we need to understand that it's a natural part of reproductive health care. And it's a natural part of people's lives. And it's it's not some modern invention. Like, it's it's been around for forever. And the more that we understand that, and the more that we talk about that, the more that we make it a reality and make it so that abortion is everywhere it needs to be. Lux, that is such a good point. Another thing people can stop doing that I wish people would not do is stop saying back alley abortion. Please uh, fucking yeah. stop. Please. Yeah. These are not, these are not what it, I read somewhere, the butchers who like, uh, shut right. the fuck up. Granted, yes, I'm sure there were people who were um, exploiting people for money and using a crisis to their advantage. Cool. Like that sucks. But that is not the widespread thing, right? Like my people have been having abortion since time immemorial um, because of famine and war and migration and the seasons and the cultural calendar and all of these things. So for any natives out there who are like, oh, abortion is like against our creator and whatever, like, no, our our people have been having abortions. We use the plants around us. We use our environment to help facilitate everything from abortion to inducing um lactation to um, helping ease arthritis and eczema and all of those things. Like everything, every ailment that a human being can have, this earth has provided for everyone across the globe for millennia, like, or centuries, right? Like there, this is not a new thing. Please stop saying back alley abortion because to Lex's point, like it makes it more dangerous. So if you can't donate and you can't get your friends together, fine. At least think about the way that you're talking about abortion. Like, I don't give a shit if it's rare. It should not, it's not rare. Like the Hillary Clinton supporters of the world, like, please stop with this like shaming of like good abortion, bad abortion. Right. The the Facebook post that says, I am pro Becky who was oh, uh, God. I was like, no, I don't give a fuck who is having an abortion and for what and how old they are. If they need an abortion, if they want an abortion, my job yep. is to make sure that they get the care they need and not be a judgmental jackass. Like there's no such thing as a good abortion and a bad abortion because my abortion 
I've been told by anti-abortion people that my abortion was the good kind because I needed to mm. my life to be saved. No, I just needed an abortion. Okay. I, I, that, that's it. There's no such thing as a good, good one and a bad one. Who are we to say that it's a good one or a bad one? Like how many uh, anti-abortion people have I seen during my time as a medical assistant in a clinic come in and say, I know abortion is wrong. Like God, you know, Jesus <laughs> said abortion is wrong, but I really need this because I have my whole life ahead of me. <laughs> okay. Becky, who, right. Whatever. Like, is my cousin on the reservation not, does she not also have her life ahead of her? Like, again, examine that classism mm-hmm. and, and racism when you say back alley mm-hmm. abortion, when you hold up those wire hangers and all, like, yeah, no. Also, what people people will talk about, like, uh, oh, this law doesn't have rape exceptions. Oh, this law doesn't have an incest. The thing that people don't understand is that even when there are rape and incest exceptions, you have to prove that you were raped in order to get that abortion. And we a know that nobody believes rape survivors. Um, but imagine, like, imagine that you get raped by your dad, and now you have to go in front of a panel of probably white men and tell them and quote unquote convince them that you were raped by your dad and you quote unquote deserve an abortion. Like that's traumatic. That's like, that's fucked up for a lot of people. Like that gatekeeping is so much more traumatic than abortion ever could be. And also I don't think abortion is generally traumatic. What is potentially traumatic is if somebody doesn't want an abortion and needs one because they wanted a pregnancy and something went wrong. But you know, if you want an abortion and you get it, it's not the abortion that's traumatic. It's the hurdles you have to jump. Also, um, this is a little bit of gallows humor, but I saw somebody tweeting about millions of women are going to have dangerous backstreet abortions. And I all I could think about was the backstreet boys doing yes. like an unsterile DNC. <laughs> and I was Nick like, Carter. I do not want Nick Carter to give me an abortion. That is no. true. Uh, honestly, I could be. Can convinced. I have the Backstreet Boys playing in the background? Of while course. Getting my abortion? Yeah. If they're yeah. properly trained, okay. if they're properly trained, I think I'd, I'd more trust the dudes from NSYNC. I think JC seems like he could have gone. First of all, that's Kevin. Kevin in the Backstreet Boys. He was the old wise one. Okay. I feel like yes. I would fuck around and let him give me abortion. <laughs> No, or at howie, least howie. at least fuck around and let him help me get the pills because honestly, go. I don't trust anyone else but me to give. You know what I mean in that situation? Like I'm like, really, I'm going to trust this white guy? But Kevin, if you have strings to pull, yes, I'll take your Backstreet Boys abortion any day. Just don't get an abortion from Justin Timberlake. I, I, no. I don't think that would go well. It's a no. no. He's a big no. no. Thank you both so much for talking with us, for sharing your time. It's been a wild weekend. Um, Lux, will you tell people how best to reach you or support the work that you do or however you want to be found online? Yeah, um, I will say that easiest way to stay in touch with me is on Twitter, which is just my name, L-U-X-A-L-P-T-R-A-U-M. And I would say the best way to support what I'm passionate about is uh, to give money to abortion funds and indie clinics and just tell people about self-managed abortion. I mean... I'm privileged. I'm going to be fine. Uh, But please, please do what you can to make sure that the infrastructure that's helping people get abortions is thriving and that you are doing what you can to tell people how to get abortions that they need. Awesome. And Rachel, same question. How can we support the work that you do with Indigenous Women Rising uh, or any of your work in general? 
Uh, just follow us on social media. Uh, we are at IWRising on Twitter, at IWRising on Facebook, and then at Indigenous Women Rising on Instagram. Uh, we have our website, IWRising.org, and folks can sign up for our email list. I do the emails sometimes, and you'll know <laughs> when I do them because they have gifts and cats and like they're really fun emails. So I promise you'll be entertained and you'll give us your money at the same time. And and just so folks know, we don't just have an abortion fund. We have a midwifery fund. Um, we have a sex education curriculum that we authored. Um, and we do community organizing. We redistribute uh, menstrual hygiene products to Native communities. So if abortion is not your cup of tea, I feel bad for you. Um, but there is still a way to support Indigenous people because we are living with period poverty. Um, and we would greatly appreciate your help because if you don't like abortion, but you have a period, like at least help other people have pads and tampons, that'd be cool. That tracks. That seems right. I like the way you put that. If you, if abortion's not your jam, I, I'm sorry for you, but we do other stuff too. It's good. You, you know, you're hitting all the markets. Um, thank you both so much. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your days. And we'll have links to uh, most of the stuff that we mentioned in the show notes so that people can just, you can just glance down at your little phone that's in your hot little hand. And it's one click away to uh, support some people already doing the work. That's the main takeaway. Um, thank you to my guest co-host, Tracy. This hey. is the end of the show. You can catch us uh, at Yo Is This Racist on all the socials, suboptimalpods.com if you want any of our premium content. We have a tour coming up this summer. That's also at suboptimalpods.com. You know, I'm at Trondi Newman, but don't tweet at me about racism. I'm tired. I That's why I do this show. But you can tweet at the show accounts about racism because Andrew monitors those. And uh, <laughs> Andrew will be back next week. So will the homie Kevin Bartelt, our producer. Thanks, everybody, for, you know, tuning in for this very important topic that is not off topic from our usual show. It's a delve deep into one aspect <laughs> of our usual show. All right. Thanks, everybody. Oh, 323-389-7223. That's 323-389-RACE with all your racism questions. We love you. Take care. Stop dressing up like the handmaid's tale. Goodbye. <laughs> this is so